Hey, Typology friends, welcome to this week's episode on which we have my good friend, Renee Rosario. Renee uh, is part of the core faculty at the Narrative Enneagram, the school that uh, the, one of the grand doms of the Enneagram, uh, Helen Palmer, uh, began. Uh, I have sat underneath uh, Renee's teaching before, and though we haven't seen each other in about, uh, I mean, actually, the last time we saw each other uh, was four days before lockdown. Right, right. Yeah. We were at a class together. Was it in Cal? No, we were in California because we drove. I can't remember where it was, but anyway, we were there and the news was just breaking. And remember, a couple of people left in the middle of the workshop to head home. That was and typing process, I believe, and you were in Ohio, right? Yes. Crazy. When you were doing the introduction, Crazy. I was thinking, bum, 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 bum. We have to come up with some kind of different <laughs> different music for legendary status. <laughs> That's right. Legend status. Yeah. Great, uh, you know, great uh, renowned teacher, Renee Rosario, is on the show, and we are we are so, so thrilled. Now, you know, Renee, you've been working with the Enneagram for a long time. Uh, so you have a great depth of uh, knowledge. But I want to go back to when it all began and uh, what that was like. And I'm sure there are similarities to everybody's experience. But, you know, you discovered you were an Enneagram too, and you had this moment of epiphany, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I remember it so clearly, actually. And I will tell this, you know, thing that a, f a friend of mine copied Helen Palmer's cassette tapes back then. This is 1995. Mm. And uh, so, you know, her her cassette tapes had description of the type and then she would interview somebody. And I can remember, I believe I was sitting in my car in a parking lot, seriously. And I was like, and I heard the description of the two and her interviewing somebody and I was blown away. I was like, certainly somebody has been following me around Right. Because I, I was in therapy in my early 20s and I spent a year and a half saying, all I do is take care of people and nobody appreciates me and blah, blah, blah. It took me a year and a half to actually realize I was giving to get. Right. Right. And then so, you know, I recognized that. So that was helpful. But then, you know, many years later, uh, finding the Enneagram was just amazing. And then seeing Helen, she came to Boulder, Colorado, uh, where I live and was interviewing. She interviewed three people. It was a one day thing. And so she just picked someone from the audience and, stuff and interviewed them. And I was, I get a chill through my whole body saying it. I was like, this is it. Mm. It's not just knowing the system. It's hearing people's stories mm -hmm. and their experience and them being met with a field of compassion and kindness um, that, really transforms us. Wow. Transform me. So that actually is a distinctive of the narrative Enneagram tradition. Talk about the narrative piece of what, you know, because that distinguishes that school from every right. other one. Right. Yes. Well, um, and we are the first Enneagram school of distinction by the IEA. We got awarded that this year, which was quite exciting. And this is our 35th year this fall oh. of teaching in the narrative tradition. Um, so the narrative tradition really honors people's experience as, as the experts. So we sit on, people sit on panels and the faculty interview them and they share their story. We work with them somatically to actually meet some of the challenges coming up in their body with the bigger picture of awareness that we're more than our type. Uh, and, and it's really, 
you know, I hate to use this word because it sounds so ridiculous, but it's magical what happens. And you've seen, Ian, you were in classes of what happens when you're in a room full of people and you're sitting in front and everybody gets nervous, but then they just share things. And in 10 or 15 minutes, have a depth of experience and understanding and care that um, is immeasurable in my mind. Mm-hmm. So. so you just you just used a phrase that I want to touch on. Okay. You said more than our type. Now this is important because, as you know, uh, people tend to over-identify with a personality style. They presume or they wrap or organize their identity around that that style and assume that's who I am, when in reality, not so true. So I want to hear it from your perspective more than your type. Great name for a book, by the way. (laughs) Your next book, Ian? No, but maybe yours. (laughs) So we, we have patterns. We grow a type, basically, through our conditioning, through experiences in the world. And we need a type to navigate in the world. I I always tell this little um, statistic in class, which I love uh, from a book called The User Illusion years ago, that we can be aware of about 25 to 40 bits of information per second, but we receive through the unconscious in the body 11 million bits of information per second. And we just can't possibly navigate it all. So we have to privilege certain information and discard a lot, right? So that we can have a familiar way. We can learn a, a pattern to be in the world. And so they're brilliant survival strategies. There is no dissing of the type here. And that's the conditioned part of you. It's the learned part of you, another word for conditioning, versus who we are more essentially. What is the depth of who we are? And this is where we get into the spiritual aspects of the system. Some people have difficulty, maybe not on this podcast, with the word spirituality. It could be as simple as there's awareness awareness of a pattern, right? Who's, what's the awareness? That is not conditioned. It's free. It just observes things come and go. That awareness for my mind also gives us a portal of entry into uh, the great mystery, spirit, God, the divine, Allah, whatever you want to call the ground of being is my favorite from the Enneagram, that from which everything arises. So you aren't a type, you have a type and it's a brilliant survival strategy. And we want to have more choice than the little bits that have been conditioned to say, this is how you have to be as a two. I have to be helpful to be okay. Right. I have a gift for being helpful and generous and compassion. When I overdo that, I get pissed off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get Mm -hmm. angry. Everybody needs too much and it's your fault. That was the more not understanding my type. Yeah, right. You know, I love this is so rich because what you're saying, and I think this is true, is that we are not a personality. We have a personality. And there's such a difference between the two. And I think sometimes people get introduced to the Enneagram and they actually make this critical mistake in the beginning. Oh, I am. And it's like, this has completely decoded the mystery of who I am. And it's like, absolutely not. It's actually showing you what distracts you from the mystery of who you are. You tend to think you're distracted by the personality when in reality we are, and you use the word essentially. And I think I love that word because what we're talking about there is essential self or essence would be another word that behind the personality, 
there is a pure essence. And, you know, if we were going to look at it through the Christian lens, I'm thinking particularly the mystical tradition, like with Thomas Merton, where he talks about the essential self that, and Richard Rohr took this idea into a book called the immortal diamond behind the self of personality. There is this higher being a uh, unique being of you that uh, is waiting to be uncovered and revealed. Does that is that ringing true with your own teaching and ideas? Yes, and I would just say, and that higher self is connected to everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, f- for me, it's not so much an individual as a aspect of again the ground yeah. or the divine. So that would be the only caveat. And I, and I, and I will hopefully this is okay to confess I'm a Buddhist. So, (laughs) you know, so I come from that ground of, you know, this kind of, there, there is just this oneness that we're connected in. Mm -hmm. And yet, interestingly, that's not a uniquely Buddhist perspective. Like when you look at in the Christian tradition in the mid, in the medieval ages, uh, again, and I learned this from Richard. And so it, it, it was this whole idea of what was called then the great chain of being. Right. So there was an interconnectedness, an interlinkage right. uh, of, of all things, and that uh, there was, and this can be, I suppose, argued now, but there was an almost hierarchical structure in the universe of angels down to rocks. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, right. and, and it, there is some kind of, uh, you know, we're all kind of like grasping around looking for metaphors and truths, yeah. and we're all inadequate to the task of, of that. However, you know, super, super helpful. And I love it when I find that there are truths across traditions, because then I really pay attention. Yeah, me too. Me too. And there are so many, there's just different windows. It's like, it's like light coming in through a stained glass. It's all the light Mm. has different colors. Yes. You know what I mean? So and we get, we get, uh, I don't know, one feels more compelling or fits better with a particular Mm. individual. So honoring all these spiritual traditions as a way of coming. And I love that about the Enneagram because it, do, it doesn't, it doesn't purport a particular religious tradition, mm-hmm. the spiritual aspects of the system, right? It really yes. describes what we call absolute reality um, and the spiritual qualities of that reality, mm-hmm. how those realities function and what our relationship is to those realities. So yeah, so beautiful. Thanks for being so articulate. Now, I want you, we have people of all sort of familiar, levels of familiarity with the Enneagram who listen to the show. So I want you to imagine for a moment, because you've been at this for so long and with so much depth of knowledge and experience. Okay, imagine just for a moment that you have an Enneagram 2 on the show or a partner of an Enneagram 2 on the show trying to figure out what their partner is like and their inner architecture, if you will. And and there, and and you have a few moments to just describe from uh, in a, what the Enneagram 2 is like to a newcomer, what the inner experience is like. Like, what would you say to them or their partner that you're like, you have to understand this about Enneagram 2s? I appreciate you picking my type so that I can really do this well. <laughs> yeah, right? There you go. <laughs> so, um, so. The Enneagram, as we know, is based around three centers of intelligence, head, heart, and body, and we tend to privilege or have one dominant. Twos are very strong in the heart, right? And it's interesting, Dan Siegel says he thinks twos have more mirror neurons than other types. Mm. So it's really easy to pick up wow. on the experience 
of others, what they're feeling and needing. It's like we get an imprint of that that comes into our heart and our bodies. So it's very easy to lean out toward another, to try to take care of them, right? To see what they need, to jump in, to do that, to get love and approval and connection. Because those are the three primary needs. We want to be loved. We want to feel connected. When when we feel connected, then we're safe. Mm. There's a disruption in the connection. It's, It's very stimulating, Right. It just feels like, I mean, it, where other people would say, you know, kind of like, so what? It's like, oh, from the type for type two, it's very stimulating. And so therefore it actually can put a lot of pressure on your partner, you know, to actually be connected all the time mm-hmm. and to uh, get scared in a sense or angry when that connection feels off. Mm-hmm. And it's How very- is that? How is that different from a nine though? Okay. Cause I know, see, there's a little bit of a overlap here and I want people to see it and hear it. So just explain that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fine distinction I will say, but nines are a body type, right? So they physiologically have very loose boundaries. They're getting a lot of information. They more merge with the other and lose themselves. Mm-hmm. Twos are still kind of holding on in a sense to their own agenda. Okay. Mm. You know, it's like, I need this you know, versus I'm lost mm, Right. going along. It's like, you know, twos can be very willful. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> and interestingly, and people don't think this is true. They are, they can also be very ambitious. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So we have to get out, the, get rid of the stereotype of the the big mama who's always making casseroles. That is not the case. No, no, no. There's and again the diversity within a type. Some mm-hmm. some might be like that. Others might not be. You know, this right. can depend on your instinctual subtype to some degree. But yes. where everybody is so variety varied and unique, that yes. is a really important thing for people to remember to not right. to watch for stereotyping. Mm-hmm. And plugging mm-hmm. somebody in, oh, I know your type, so I know you. No, you don't. Know them. Come with an open, curious mind. Mm, I love it. What's motivating them, you know? Sure. So what's motivating a two? Let's get back to that. Let's get back to describing a two to this new two or, or to their partner. So I think I said what's motivating a two is mm-hmm. to be connected. And they have a belief to be connected, I have to be helpful. Mm. I need to be indispensable to you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I will, <laughs> I'll just use I, why not? Um, I will insert myself into situations thinking I'm being helpful, right? Where, other, where people often don't need help, right? It's just like, but there is this, it's a really strong, it feels kind of urgent when that comes up in my mm-hmm. chest is what I notice. And it's like, I need to reach out and do this. And there's a belief they won't be okay without me, mm-hmm. right? They won't be okay without me versus actually they might have more competency than I know. They're probably fine, but the type kind of compels um, because it's so hyper-focused, on just the needs of others versus mm-hmm. their competency. Mm. Wow. Right. Yes. So, so it's like, that's what I, I worked with. It's like, Oh, I'm seeing 15% of this person versus a hundred percent, you know, 85% competent. Yeah. There's 15% needs. And that oftentimes I'm projecting my needs all over them. Mm-hmm. Ooh, tell me more. 
So I'm not aware of my own needs, right? Because I would be in conflict all the time. My needs are your needs, but you know, the mm-hmm. pattern is active. My needs are out of awareness. They are held by down by repression. I am not noticing them. People might notice, are you okay? I'm fine. And I'm telling the truth, but they can see I'm not fine. So what ends up happening, we do this, all of us in nine different ways, project what's in our own unconscious out on the others mm-hmm. around us. <laughs> so my needs, therefore, heighten the neediness of others. Ooh. So when I've been working with my type, it's like when I see a bunch of needs out there, I'm like, ooh, pause. <laughs> what's happening inside of me? Could you, what do, could you say that one more time? My needs heighten the awareness of, say that one more time. I missed that. Yeah, my the needs I'm not recognizing inside of me okay. as they get projected out there intensify. Yes. Then, then the, what looks like needs outside, yeah. we all project, mm-hmm. right? Our, our type stuff, our unconscious out on the world. It creates a worldview. Um, and so when I'm aware that all of a sudden it feels like people need a lot, it can be actually a wake-up call to say, wait a minute, pause. What's happening for me? What am I feeling? What am I needing? Because that is not, the pattern doesn't go there automatically. We have to choose that. You have to choose to actually look inside. And often we don't find anything in the beginning, but we need to build a bridge to that information. Um, yes. Right? By keep, yeah. look, keep looking, keep noticing what's happening. Hearing other people say things to us. Like, it seems like you are, you know, tired. No, I'm fine. No, you kind of look exhausted. Okay, wait a minute. I'm getting some information from the outside. Let me really, oh yeah, I'm tired. I'm actually exhausted which I might not know, but other people might see. It's so mm. interesting. I, I, I'm thinking about my mom through this, who's just a two and two, a through and through two. She's 88. And she'll call me regularly and say, oh, like the first thing on the phone, she asks, honey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm, right? I'm doing, I'm doing really well, mom. How are you? <laughs> what's going on (laughs) that's that's it It, attention just gets pulled out so easily it's like antenna Uh right i mean it really is like antenna picking up information and i mean i could go on about stories i won't tell all the the antenna stories i have about oh tell one (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah okay i'll tell one my last my last relationship I was, I had moved in with this man and, um, and, um, I had experienced a flood. I got flooded out of my house. So we weren't going to live together. We did. And, and it, he could be in another part of the house and I am just tracking him. Right. Just, I mean, it's like, is he okay? What's he doing? I mean, it's, it's quite bothersome actually. Right. <laughs> and I remember him telling me, couldn't you just turn those antenna toward God? <laughs> Oh, wow. And I said, oh, if I only just could all the time. (laughs) But it was so difficult. There's this funny tension of like, you know, to his love connection. But, you know, like being alone can be a real because there's not everybody in the field that you're constantly getting pulled toward. Now, of course, practice. We work with this. We, you know, we meditate, we do practices to start to pull the attention back in. And we practice that, like practicing 
a bicep curl, you know, it goes out, we come back and we get better at staying more grounded in our bodies. Well, I just, I got to say one more thing about my mother. It's interesting because she really does project big time. I mean, big time, but she also is so intuitive. Like you're saying, I mean, she has a very real antenna and I recognize that. And it's like, so, so it's kind of like this thin line. And what I find is when she doesn't have clarity, she gets really suspicious uh-huh. with that antenna. You know, like when, when she doesn't, when she can't see clear, it kind of can turn into stories and on? all kinds, yeah, all kinds of stuff there. Interesting. Yeah. Do you, have you struggled with that at all? Like with your. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of the work from a two point of view is to discern um, you know, the projection from the true intuition, because right. there is a gift there. Yes. We're, tra- we're all trying to free our gifts. Yeah, it's good. You mm. know, the, get, the type brings us gifts mm-hmm. and we're trying to free them. And by recognizing who we are more essentially, by doing inner work, we start to free the gifts. So I can tell and notice when I'm reaching out and watch myself, the thoughts about it, how I feel, because I'm, think I think I need to take care of that person Versus actually, this is a true extension, you know, mm. and giving from something deeper in me, mm. but not that giving to give. Yeah. Right. That calculated strategic giving, right? Yeah. And sometimes not calculated aware in awareness. Mm. Oh, heck yeah. no. Right. Yeah. Heck no. I always tell people that nobody gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror and says, you know, by golly, today I'm going to go out there and uh, use my charm and my cheerfulness <laughs> and my this wonderful crafted image of mine, projected image to win the approval uh, of and the and the, the love of other people through calculated and strategic giving <laughs> and maybe even a little bit of flattery and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, enough, enough, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, none of us do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, uh, no. I, I had a, I've been working, I have this, uh, I have two coaching groups or one that's uh, now coming together, but I have one group of coaching. We're seven guys in this group. We meet for three weekends every year, plus enter, uh, on, Great. on the three months in between each weekend, we have zoom calls and individual calls, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, one of the one of the th- the big questions that always comes up is when a guy says, uh, "I don't know what I don't know," and that's a really important idea. Absolutely. When he says, I, it, "He says what bothers me is that I don't know what I don't know," <laughs> and and I'm like, "Oh, that's really good." And the enneagram can help. I mean, it's not going to reveal everything you don't. Know, it's going to reveal a lot of material that you didn't know you didn't know. Right. Right. You know, and that uh, and it's uh, it it doesn't relatively speaking at lightning speed relative to how long it would take you in therapy over 10 years to get at a lot of that material. Totally. I mean, I often, you know, I'm a psychotherapist as well, as you know, and it's just the amount of time it saves Mm. in Mm. working with people and people. And it's a tool to give people versus you need to come and talk to me for the next 10 years. (laughs) Right. It's like, I want to get you out of here, basically. (laughs) I want you to fire me sooner than later. Yes. Right? That's if I'm a good therapist, that's what'll happen. Totally. Right? Hey, Anthony. Hey, Ian. You know, Annie and I eat a plant-based diet, and Thrive Market has been our go-to for organic groceries for a while now. We love the convenience of getting our groceries delivered to our doorstep quickly, and... 
with over 70 filters on their website, it's easy to find out what we're looking for. It's a huge time saver. Uh, one of my favorite things is checking out their deals page, which changes mm. daily, by the way. I tried the Thrive Market sweet potato chips and saved 29% and got 5% back in Thrive Cash. Well, listen to this. We saved $42 on our last order, which included the Ultima Replenisher Electrolyte Powder in pink lemonade. It is so refreshing in the summer, brother. Pink lemonade. I want some of that. That sounds great. So how do our listeners get the same deal? Listen, folks, join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash typology for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's Thrive Market, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash typology. Thrivemarket.com slash typology. Uh, all right. Freeze the gifts. I love this because I'm actually going in a whole different direction than I thought we were going. Okay, so freeing the gifts. So Anthony and I are both fours. We're connected to you in a funky way uh, with lines. Mm -hmm. And and um, but what are they getting? Now I'm a self pres four, which is kind of a funky animal. But what are you what are you shaking your head for, Renee? I'm just thinking reckless, dauntless. Yes, <laughs> I, I know. I know some of your creed. <laughs> Okay, we're going to come back to that. So what are, uh, and Anthony's a social one to one. four. Oh, one to one. That's right. Um, all right. So what are the gifts that we need to free? And what's that like? Fours have a great, great capacity to actually be so empathic. Also attuned, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's a hard type. Um and to actually create and see the beauty of life and their own kind of unique normal self is what I want to say, mm, right? Yes. Just striving to be unique and special and I need to look like this and I need to have this quality and I, there's so much producing of it, you know, fours mm. talk about authenticity a lot. Like authenticity is so important and it's funny because in a way, what is authentic, mm -hmm. right? When you're always trying to kind of modify to have that special, unique appearance or beingness to attract a connection, right? You're, so fours, where twos reach out, fours take in connection, right? They take in things very deeply. It's like mm -hmm. the heart energy comes the other way. And so for them to recognize you are already unique and special. And this goes into the spiritual things as a animation of the ground of being. You already are that, right? So it's not like you have to keep trying to create it. So you want to just free the capacity actually to be fully just as you are. Yes. I always laugh about the the authenticity of the four because I'm always like, you know, if you try to be authentic, you're automatically inauthentic. <laughs> Right. I mean, authenticity is what happens when you don't notice. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's like, oh, you're just being. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about, okay, I need to be authentic. It's like the moment you do that, you're creating an image that has to be projected, which is by its, you know, here's my image of authenticity. Right. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's so it becomes uh, immediately self-defeating as a as a program for happiness. Right. Yeah. And it's such a pressure, actually, you know, to be mm. earning that way versus knowing that you I, I really don't like this word deserve because I think everybody deserves everything, but that you already are that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you all already are fully beautiful, perfect, whole in the essence of who you are. Yes. And so this is actually where we can start to talk about holy ideas for a moment, isn't it? It could be. Yes, it could be. So let's talk about holy ideas because it's a topic I've never covered on this show. And we've done, I don't know, Anthony, 300 plus Mm -hmm. shows now. I don't even know how many we've done. Gosh almighty. You'd think I would have gotten tired of this Enneagram thing by now, but I haven't. Okay. So let's talk about holy ideas. It's a topic we've never talked about. It's kind of related to this. Can you give us a three or four sentence introduction to the topic? And then let's just dump, jump into every type and do a, just a, a very quick, super quick <laughs> overview of the holy idea and virtue related you're not, to that topic. You're, you're, not, you're not asking for too much. Either. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. So the Enneagram traditionally was a spiritual map. The psychology, psychological overlay is more recent, right? With Claudio Naranjo, et cetera. So before that, The map really described, I said this a little bit in the beginning, how how absolute reality, so I think of that without the veiling of ego, how things work in that bigger field of grace or God or ground. And how we think about it is we come in, um, you know, relative to our type, I believe predisposed by temperament to be a particular type. And we come in and there's a specific holy idea associated with our type that we lose sight of as the ego structure develops. We get alienated from it and we try to mimic or fill the shoes of of the greater reality through our type structure. So I will start as a type two, the holy ideas are holy will and holy freedom. And holy will basically says um, there is a bigger will. There is something actually intelligent in that bigger field of the divine, I'll just try to keep it to the divine versus all the words um, that actually uh, is unfolding and meets people's needs, which is hard to grasp these. That's the thing that's really hard. Makes no sense from an ego level, actually meets people's needs, Mm. right? And I can be part of that will, but if I don't recognize there's a bigger will, it's my will. My will be done. My will Mm. (laughs) shall be done versus thy will shall be done. So we then work really hard to actually take care of people's needs, not understanding there's intelligence in the field and how it unfolds. And when we can go along with that, holy freedom. It's like, okay, now I'm part of, yes, I have this gift to take care, to notice, to have compassion, but I'm not overworking it because I'm part of this larger field. Does that make sense? Is that a oh, enough? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So I love it. It's this move from holy will to holy freedom, right? And I like that. I think with each of the types, one of the things I feel uh, when we go through the the holy ideas, I feel, almost feel like always saying that the big message is, okay, so relax. <laughs> so true, honey. I heard a spiritual teacher say once, if you could be 100% relaxed, you would be 100% enlightened. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah, right? It's like, it's true. And so in this situation, it's like, okay, too, you don't need to run around in this sort of manic exercise of trying to meet the needs of every other one person in the world because God, uncaused cause, 
spirit of the universe, Jesus, Allah, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm not going to get into the uh, particulars right. of that. Um, it already has it. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, like it, it already has it. Now you could cooperate with that. That's right. But, but not, not take over the job of that right. d- expression of the divine. Right. And as we know, a lot of times what we think people need is not, they, actually this mm-hmm. issue, this challenge is what they need. Yes. I've grown because of that. Not because everything's just running smoothly <laughs> on the beach, drinking, drinking pina coladas all the time or some darn thing. You know, it's like, it's like our challenges actually heighten our capacity to grow in our gifts. Mm-hmm. Right. So those aren't to be put aside. So, all right. So you just, let's stay in that triad. Let's just talk about threes for a second. And we don't have to go super deep. We can just talk about the name of the holy idea. It's move and maybe one or two sentences on the task. Right. Um, so, so for the three, it's um, golly, I just had a total uh, fart. Let me go to four. Okay. And okay. I'll come back. So, um, so for the four friends, four friends is holy origin, and holy yes. origin says you are innately and inextric- inextricably you cannot get hit, kicked out, connected to the ground of being, mm. to the divine. You are already a unique manifestation of that, right? Yes. In spite of that, like you, and then you're trying to find something to make you whole, right? Something, a relationship, a quality, a work. You know, to make you whole. Yeah, to complete you. To complete you. Yes. 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 Yeah. And so the idea then is to move from uh, uh, the idea of holy origin uh, and to move toward a space of uh, belonging, uh, the assurance of belonging. Is that how would you put it? Um, yeah, I think that works. Okay, great. Yeah, that you already belong, because that's what ends up happening, right? It feels like, well, I, I don't belong, but I kind of want to belong, and I have to be this way to belong, but I don't want to be like right. me to belong, versus it's just like, again, it's already there. Mm-hmm. Yes. By definition, you are original. You are perfect. You are connected to everything. Right, right. Mm, you're not on the Isle of Misfit Toys. Right, right. Okay. All right, let's go to uh, uh, threes. So the holy ideas of the three is holy hope, holy law, and holy harmony. And it basically says that things get done quite naturally in the universe, right? Doing happens. Think of nature and all the interrelationships, right? And, and it, 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 nature, weather, flora, fauna, everything is actually getting done. There's nobody kind of overseeing that to some degree, right? It's just doing happens. And as the three loses sight of that, it feels like it's up to me to get things done, right? I must do it. To be uh, recognized, connected, I must do. And so, again, they're very good at getting things done. That's a skill, but it gets to be a lot of pressure to keep doing all the time versus actually saying, oh, yeah, I have some doings that need to happen here that are my responsibility and others that aren't. Right. So I don't have to take over the role, as we say, uh, threes as human doings versus human beings. Mm. I love this. And I, I want to go back and just highlight something that we, we said earlier, because I think it's super important to, as we frame out this conversation. And that is that this is let's just talk about it through the lens of, let's say, a Christian typical tra- sure. generic tradition. We would say that at the fall, we forgot these truths. Right. We forgot these truths. 
and that that uh, you know that the universe has a creator who is always creating, is always doing, and we don't have to supplant or help you know, that 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 divinity, that God chooses us in love, but doesn't need us. Does that make sense? Like God doesn't need us per se, right? But chooses us, which is actually more beautiful and more powerful. Totally. Right? Yeah. But we forgot. Oh, yeah. You know, and we're going to go around. And so, so threes, relax. So twos, <laughs> relax. So fours, relax. <laughs> well, it's it, what a good feeling to know that you, something has you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? It's just like, you know, creation, whatever, God, spirit, ground has you. It's like somebody has your back, something, some great mystery has mm-hmm. your back. Yes. I feel like, and the holy idea is really about, it's not all up to you. Our type structure feels like in these ways, it's all up to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah, there you go. Right? And it's like, no, no, no. And so, yeah, relax. Love that. Cool. Let's go to five real fast. Sure. So for five, it's called holy omniscience and holy transparency. Mm-hmm. And basically it's, it's seeing the wholeness through all the divisibilities, right? So there's all, you know, as we know, um, you know, fives can actually get quite particular at looking at things. They have amazing minds, but it's like, again, feeling really separate. The tendency is to feel like, oh, I have to conserve what I have. I have to hold on. Um, and, and actually saying, oh, no, you are a particular, it's like you are a particle, but you're a wave, mm-hmm. right? Like holy omniscience says there's enough energy, knowledge for all of us. Ooh, getting rid of that scarcity mindset. Yeah. Yes, right? And, there, and we get fed by our connection, to that greater reality versus kind of getting isolated in oneself, feeling like you have to hold on. Right. Mm, um, and, but you can see all the different parts, you know, mm. the dimensional, yes. it's like looking at a beach and seeing all the different grains in the beach, the grains yes. of sand, but yes. it's all the beach. Mm-hmm. So lovely. Okay. The idea of holy faith, holy, moving on to sixes. Holy faith. Yes. Holy faith basically says there is something in you in the universe that you can trust. Oh, yeah. Mm. Right? Very simply, that you can trust. There is something in there that's trustworthy. And, of course, the six loses sight of that and and is going around looking for security. So such a great invitation, actually, to come in and find, I always think, the finding the ground and the connection to what is greater through my body and my heart Mm -hmm. and my method of choice so it's like there's something in you you can trust to your own knowing inside that's kind of outside of just all of the mental obsessions going back and forth mm. yeah so it's almost like that old aphorism whether or not you believe in the universe the universe believes in you <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yes and you have access to that yes and though you can be harmed your essence cannot right Right. And that gives you strength because the other holy idea is holy strength. Yes. Like knowing that there's a strength in oneself. Yes. All right. Moving on to sevens. Sevens. (laughs) Holy work, holy plan, and holy wisdom. And if you imagine um, 
again, it's a little two-ish, but it's kind of different. It's like life is unfolding. It has a plan for you. It's not predestined. It is. You said this earlier, Ian. It's constantly being created every moment. Mm-hmm. But, the, but there is a place like the, this big intelligent field has a plan to take you where you need to go. And your work is to stay constant with that. Mm-hmm. Right, which leads to wisdom to be able to stay present. Because as we know, sevens go off and plan and try to, you know, mediate experience so they can have it look a particular way, you know, keep it upbeat to avoid fear, etc. So this is like, oh, if again I can relax and stay present with experience, it will take me where I need to go, be it lows or highs. Mm. Ride that unfolding. Mm -hmm. And stay attentive. To it, in other words, don't get distracted from the flow, right? Right. Uh, from the ground, from God, Jesus, whatever, however you want to put it. I mean, just don't get distracted and go off, and also come up with your own programs of happiness apart from the connection you have with that higher power. If that's that's a, another way of putting and, it, twelve step language. Yeah, and I would say just one other difference I would say is you are going to get distracted. So come back when you notice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just keep coming back. We're all going to fall and come back. Yep. (laughs) And relax. (laughs) (laughs) This is the big message for me today. The big message for Ian Cron is Ian, relax. (laughs) Relax. Hey, relax. Relax Relax with awareness though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk about it. Talk about it. So I'm just saying we can relax and just sit around and eat popcorn in front of the television. I'm relaxing now. So I think we need to talk about what that actually Mm -hmm. means. It's Mm -hmm. relaxing our attention to the type structure, but it's being very awake internally. Yes, awake. And present, right? Because that's how we, that's truly relaxing. Yes. You know, I know when I, you know, binge something, I don't actually feel better for that. I don't feel more relaxed. Yeah. (laughs) I feel kind of, I don't know, dissociated. Yes, I, I get that. And and I do think, in, and people in the show have heard me say this, that in uh, I know in our tradition, in the mystical side of our tradition, you could boil everything down to the two words, wake up. Mm-hmm. Everything in the mystical tradition basically just points to that idea, yeah. wake up. Yeah. And so to remain awake uh, through the use of our inner observer, through doing our work of, you know, doing, uh, you know, being uh, self-monitoring, self-regulating, you know, all that stuff, all that work that we do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, as you said, relaxing, although I think that is a very spiritual idea, relaxing with awareness into this idea that there is a power greater than us, uh, uncaused cause, however we want to call it, that actually is taking care of all the stuff that we think we have to take care of in our type. Does that make sense? Yes and no. <laughs> okay, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Um, yes, and we are an aspect of that spiritual reality unfolding, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. so, so again, you know, we still have jobs. Sure. You know, in a sense, it's like because our type gives it's back to the gifts, Ian. Right. It gives us certain gifts. Um, it's like, I'm just not in charge. Exactly. That's what I meant. Right. It's not, yeah. it's not that you self negate. That's not what I'm encouraging. What I'm saying is that when we feel like our higher power uh, actually needs our help to accomplish the task apart. So I know what you're saying. 
And I'm going to push just a little bit back. Yeah, little yeah, bit, okay. Um, okay. So in my garden, when my kid, when I was, my kids were little, I would be out working in the garden and Aiden would be, let's say three. And he'd show up with a plastic shovel. <laughs> and I also knew I need Aiden's help on one level. He's my little boy. I'm going to let him in the garden. We're going to work on this together. He often would make more of a mess than I actually needed him to. But while we were doing the work together, and again, I'm talking about this maybe through the lens of my own unique kind of uh, sort of spirituality. I like to believe, uh, how do I say this? God doesn't need my creativity. God loves it and chooses it in great love, right? And says, go deploy it. Go use it. Make the world more beautiful. <laughs> I choose to believe in my own experience that God, um, higher power, whatever, I participate in it at a, in a particular zone or aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm chosen, not quote unquote needed. Otherwise, in a way, I, I know we're going to disagree on this a little bit, maybe. But uh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. You 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 you're well, anxious, it, eager to speak. It's really interesting because I'm like observing myself, and I'm remembering this time I was at a uh, in the early 2000s at a spiritual class with Helen, and we were doing some repeating question exercise, um, and then we sat on a panel. But it was like, what keeps you from surrendering? And I remember saying what will God need from me then? And mm. I remember saying that on a panel and Helen said, well, that's pretty arrogant. <laughs> she, she didn't always pull some punches with her. No, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I think part of it is my type structure showing through. Mm. So I just want to own that and be curious about that. Right. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. I love that. Right. Okay, this is awesome what we're witnessing, Anthony. Yes, so good. <laughs> okay, everybody watch what Renee is doing here. Renee, keep going. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, there's that fine edge, right? I mean, having somebody, something need me feels important relative to my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and, and so I just, I'm like, okay, I think I think what you're saying is is correct, Ian. And it's like, no, I am invited and chosen to participate. But the divine doesn't kind of lose something if I skip a day. <laughs> well, I mean, because the graveyard is filled with uh, people who were not replaceable. Right. <laughs> right. And 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 the truth of the matter is, again, there's a great both and here, right? Yeah. We are both uh, irreplaceable and replaceable. You know what I mean? Like we are unrepeatable. How about unrepeatable or unrepeated and uh, not replaceable? So, but, but I really appreciate what you're doing because you better than in any show I've ever had this moment mm -hmm. where somebody has paused, observed something. This is what I think happened. Observed mm -hmm. something in their body come up or in their mind or in their heart and then paused and went, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there's something else to play here, and I just love that. We, I wish everyone could actually visibly see yeah. what we just saw because it was really, really cool. Yeah, really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, and it's like, so what's happened here now it gives me a little bit of a inspiration to be a little more curious about this topic, hmm. about actually doing some contemplation and meditation with it. Mm. Like, like I don't have to find an answer. I want to use those things as a beckoning. Yes. Come, come. Mm -hmm. Yo, golly, I think this is great. So, anyway. Mm.
Hey everybody, one of the lessons I've learned over the years is that not everybody benefits from a traditional 50-minute counseling session. And this is why some people can go to couples therapy or personal counseling for a long time and never really get anywhere. This is why I'm such a believer of intensive counseling and my friends at Restoring the Soul in Colorado, created by my longtime friend Michael Cusick to help couples or individuals experience deep change and half day blocks over one or two weeks. Now listen, if you can't wait months or years to get to the bottom of an issue or to experience breakthrough, you need to get in touch with my friend Michael and his extraordinary team of counselors at Restoring the Soul. If you're looking to get out of the rut you're in but can't wait months or years, call Restoring the Soul today for a free consultation with Michael's staff. Call 303-932-9777 and learn how their intensive counseling process can help you. As a special bonus, just for Typology listeners, make sure to visit www.restoringthesoul.com slash typology to download their PDF called Five Ways Unaddressed Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationships. All right, we're moving on. Let's get into those body types. Let's oh, talk about awesome. let's talk about eights. Eights. <laughs> I love eights. So holy truth is the is um, the holy idea for eight. And it's kind of opposite of the five where we're seeing all the parts and it's connected. It's like holy truth says there is oneness, unity. So it's actually viewing it from the other end, seeing the oneness of everything, that we are part of this indivisible kind of connection. Um, oneness, reality, God, whatever you want to call that again. Um, and as the eight loses sight of that, and, it, and there are truths associated with that, right? That oneness is an absolute truth. And we all have kind of relative truths that are part of that, but not that. And that we all have kind of connection to this bigger truth. And the eight loses sight of that. And it feels like, no, I have the truth. I know how things are. And I need to tell you what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's holy right. truth. Oh, so good. Okay. Again, people, we're talking about this topic of holy ideas. Uh, We're talking about what we forgot. Uh, And uh, truths, great universal spiritual truths that uh, that we forgot is the ego created an overlay of personality, right? Am I getting this, Renee? Is this a good way of putting it? Let's move on to Enneagram Nines and holy love. Yeah, holy love. One of my favorites, of course. Holy love says, so all the body types are really talking about... uh, qualities of that ground of being or God, right? The, the two, three, four is about how that ground of being operates in the world, getting mm-hmm. things done. It has a will, etc. And then the five, six, seven is really about our relationship to these truths. So we are one. Holy love says an aspect of that ground, God, divine is love. And it is who we are as well, Right because we are part of that. Mm. So holy love and everybody belongs, right? There's a seat at the table for everybody. Very innately. The nine loses sight of that and it feels like, oh no, I have to create some way to belong, to be part of that. I have several close friends that are nines and one friend said, oh, it's like everybody else belongs in that, but not me. So there's- Mm, Yeah, which is very Mm -hmm, four-ish in its own way, true. And going about it in a very different way. Yes. Right? Yes. So. Yeah. 
I think too for nines, just being married to one, have being the father of one. I think another piece of it is is not not only that they they're in love, but they're seen. Like they're like, oh, like I like I'm not invisible. Like I'm seen. Right. Uh, I love that. Yeah, well, it feels like to belong, I have to be kind of invisible, not mm-hmm. create too much distraction or conflict or have too many needs or whatever. Right. Um, versus, yeah, right. we want our nines to share, like share yourself. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. All right, let's we gotta wrap up with ones. Ones, holy perfection. You know, some of them are harder than others. Holy perfection says Things are perfect as they are. Mm-hmm. And I would say relative to the suchness of being, that ground, that God is perfect, right? It is mm. perfect. Not ones lose sight of perfection mm. and are constantly trying to create perfection, looking for error, right? How do I actually get to be a better person? Some really wonderful qualities relative to one. Um, And that things are perfect as they are. You know, again, we look around at the world, very, very difficult to believe that. And again, it is about this deeper reality of perfection. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Renee, this has been a very rich conversation. Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, so good. We got to have Renee back on. Yeah. I love it. So much, so much more we can talk about. Holy smoke. I got now, several Renee, pages of notes. I've been <laughs> right? Uh, me too. Look, look, yeah. look at all my yeah. notes. I've been totally. uh, writing stuff down furiously. Everybody, we're talking to my friend Renee Rosario. She is a core faculty member of the In Narrative Enneagram. She lives out in Boulder, Colorado. She's a, a wonderful psychotherapist, really a beautiful teacher on mindfulness. Uh, and her depth of knowledge about the Enneagram, holy smoke. It's like we have just, you know, like skittered along the surface like water bugs. Uh, it's a big lake of knowledge and wisdom that Renee brings to us. And uh, you've got a bunch of really of, of cool upcoming uh, events coming up, Renee. You've got this Narrative Enneagram Intensive Part 1, which I've done, right? That's in Menlo Park, August 4 to 6. Tell people about that. Yeah, so this is the entry point into the narrative tradition. So it is a, you know, overview of the system. You also get to experience the three legs we work with, psychology, spirituality, and somatics, uh, panel work. It is being offered both in person in Menlo Park, which, you know, we don't get to do that very often, but it's a hybrid. So you can also join us online and we'll be doing both of those things. But Valambrosa is an amazing, beautiful uh, so, yeah, I've been there. It's really great. Yeah. So yeah, and simultaneously, well, go ahead. No, I just think I've been there, and it's such a beautiful spot, and I like Menlo a lot. So not not much to dislike there. No, not at all. So okay, cool. And then a narrative enneagram learning community that's uh, the fourth to sixth as well, right? Yep, we're gonna all be there. So all four of our core faculty members will be teaching, and um, this is a the learning community is a place for people that have at least done the intensive part one and two, many people that have certified teachers, et cetera, come together twice a year. And we constantly have new uh, topics. We continue to do panel work. Um, we have a really exciting thing this time, which um, Dr. Jack Killen, along with um, a group, Dan Siegel, David Daniels, when he was alive, D- Denny Daniels and Laura Killen have been writing a book on the um the biology relative to type um, for decades now, many years, getting really close, but it's really the, like how we come from a actually biology point of view to be a particular type. And it's fascinating. So um, Jack will be there presenting for us and we'll be 
we're, we're exploring how we're more of a verb than a noun. Ooh, I love it. Proclivities, propensities, but not mm-hmm. solid. You know, we tend to think of, yes. like, this is my type. And I'm saying, no, yes, you have a type, as we've said, but also there's room. Yes, you're not a yes. I, I've I've often told clients before, or you know, in teaching that you are not a thing; you're a process. That is exactly it, Ian. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. That's cool. Right. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to learn more about it. Well, Renee, thank you so much for being on Typology. What what a great great time! And I knew it was going to be Anthony. I told you before we started. <laughs> yes, you did. I am a prophet. I knew it was coming. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> is that your authentic self? That's my specialness coming out. <laughs> I am a I am a prophet. Anyway, everybody, we love you. Renee, we love you. Thank you for coming Thank on the, the show and Typology Tribe. Remember these words. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. And may you have rest. Until next time.